So our program today is about selling. And I have gathered information uh, from my first career, my first career, 15 years, I was in broadcasting and radio and television. And then of course, more recently in starting uh, my business. But let me just tell you that I am not the expert here. I'm not here to tell you this is what I'm doing and I'm perfect at it. I'm reviewing this right along with you. I'm still working on these things. And as granddad used to say, you don't go to church just once. And so for any of us reviewing this material is always helpful. So, and I think it all runs together. So you'll probably hear some things that you, that you know already. Uh, Patrick, let's look at the first slide there and, and have a little fun today. I mean, I think part of this is uh, the humanness in us around uh, obstacles in selling. But first, there are at least two mindsets that get in the way of selling. And I think the first is just an old fashioned Puritan uh, thing that, you know, it's impolite to talk about money. I mean, I grew up thinking that you just didn't talk about money. So that may be true for you as well. And making the ask, uh, sometimes that old stuff still comes up. The second is one I'm even more familiar with because it's about the imposter syndrome. And every once in a while, it still pops up in my mind, you know, well, who are you to be here uh, with a value to impart to somebody? Uh, you know, my success is something of a hoax anyway, so I don't know what I'm doing here. So if that sounds like you, just give yourself grace when those thoughts run across the movie theater screen of your mind and um, shuffle them right on out the, the side door. Okay, Patrick. You know, the first one is know your story. And I talk about this each and every time, only each and every time, because it's so powerful. You know, your influences, the obstacles you've overcome, uh, the past experiences that, that are the way you make sense of life uh, will, even when not shared with others, will create a sense making within you that makes it easier uh, to talk about your services, to talk about your products. And I'll, I'll tell you that years ago, I was sitting under a stoplight I even remember where the stoplight was. It was Runnymede and uh, Barkley Downs. And I was listening to NPR and the guest, can't remember who he was, was talking about how stories are never in the past. Their value extends to the present as long as you're always making sense of life from them and drawing the, uh, the force that is completed by what it is you're doing today. So reconciling the fact for me that I was acutely shy growing up as a kid, it makes perfect sense that I do what I do in helping others find their voice. And there's probably something for you. It might be joyful, you know, maybe it wasn't about um, suffering. Maybe it was that you had somebody influencing your life who was uh, fabulous at making you aware of your gift or uh, that you were exposed to something or someone who helped shape you. Whatever it is, there's a story there. And life makes sense that way. It, it really does. So 
you never stop working on your story because it continues to, to make more sense and it keeps you from feeling like you're selling anything because you're only telling a story uh, that has the perfect right outcome in today. I love this next quote from Tom Peters, evaluate yourself unsparingly as a storyteller. There is a story behind your product, your service, your most recent project. Talked to a friend yesterday who has a documentary that he's just uh, come out with. And there's a story behind what inspired him to do that and what moved him to release it. So it doesn't have to be about you personally. It might be your product, your service, your, your most recent, recent project. So think about the driving forces and tell a story about them. Okay, Patrick. Two, and, and this is a big one. It's a big reminder, really, because we know it, but it's easy to forget. The top 100 people that you know are your number one source of business. Now, the first time somebody told me this, I thought, well, I, I don't know if I know 100 people. Well, you do. You do know 100 people. Uh, for reminders, you can look at Facebook. You can look at LinkedIn. Uh, but think about your civic groups and your alums. I'm so gifted to have a couple of high school alums on the line today, which just thrills me from Florida. But your church friends, your former teammates, think about the people in your, that create a center of influence for you and realize that this is the most powerful connection that you have to selling to what we like to call instead of referrals, warm introductions, because referral has kind of an odd uh, context to it too, or, or we make it sound a little bit odd, but warm introductions uh, are what really drive a business. And I did this when I, before I started my business, for a year, I met with people. Now it would be a virtual cup of coffee, but I took people to lunch and had coffee and asked for their advice. And I say that, you know, honestly, it helped launch my business because people told me what they thought of what I was looking at for product development. They gave me ideas about clients. I mean, it's, it's really amazing how people are willing to help and give you warm introductions when you just talk to them. I had a friend say, Lou, just go talk to people. And, and that was for me a big aha. If you look at the next slide, you're reminded that 65% of all new business comes from referrals or warm introductions, I like to say. And, and so that, that's a rather startling thing. And it doesn't mean that you just send somebody to another individual that you know. It means that you provide oh, that warm introduction of, hey, I'd, I'd love for you to meet this person, good person, meet good person, and, and give them a little background on each other. It's powerful. You know, happy clients, too, will send folks to you. Okay, Patrick. Three. Three. And this is where we can laugh at ourselves, you know, kind of uh, the Barney Fife in all of us, uh, to keep fear from driving the process. Here are the big do nots. And I will guarantee we have all done this. And 
it uh, and and may do it tomorrow. Who knows? You know, it depends on um, if the day is. You know, some days are better than other days, but. Try to build real rapport. Do not try to build real rapport by talking about the weather or the traffic or it's not, you know, rapport is not niceties. It's just by showing up and being respectful and classy and giving them room to talk and being uh, that courteous kind of classy person that when somebody experiences you as that then you're, you're establishing a way of being with them that they can, be, they can begin to trust. Uh, but just coming in and talking about, how about those Panthers? Um, you know, it's not, it's not always. Although if you see that they're a fan, you know, that's all right as well. But um, call or email too often. We call this uh, chasing people. Uh, back in the day. And you know, if somebody is trying to reach you and calling you too often, what that feels like makes everybody feel bad. Uh, but watch out for, you know, once a week, maybe max uh, reaching out to people and then do that in, in a way of just putting this on top of your inbox. I know you're busy, but uh, do not try and rush the process and do all the talking. You know, it, um, it, in the old days, we used to think that selling by running down all your features and benefits were the way that you you sold to people. And to not, and now we know that you ask questions. You don't do all the talking. In fact, the first uh, appointment, you shouldn't talk at all. You should just ask questions. Uh, premature proposals. Boy, did I. When I first started the business, I sent a proposal to a high-end automobile dealer here and uh, they they turned around and used it you know with someone else uh, and I, I'll never forget how that made me feel and how silly it is to send send someone your ideas before you even establish a relationship with them so when somebody says well why don't you send me a proposal mm-mm you know, you get the appointment and then you learn about them. And finally, sneaking up on old contacts and just popping in to, to ask them um, to consider uh, giving you a, a warm introduction or whatever it is. Always send a note ahead of time and ask uh, for an opportunity to reach out. But these are those Barney Five things we all do. Now, in radio, we had... Uh, and when I worked at WSOC here locally, we had a big sales team and I just loved them. And we had a saying uh, when someone was low on business, hadn't done very well that month, and they were really desperate to make a sale, we would say, be careful, your desperation slip is showing. And that's when you ought to just stay in the office and do filing or something, <laughs> because people know people can tell. And so having good friends around you like that is, is really wonderful. Okay, Patrick. Four, do not sell your services. And that is, uh, again, that part, that old fashioned way of selling where you want to tell people you're excited about your business. I get excited about Interact and I want to tell you about Interact. So you, you have, I used to keep a little three by five card 
where when I got to an appointment in my car, I could look at that and it was a list of questions to ask any client really about the problems that they're having because I got so excited about Interact. So realizing you're there to find out what the problem is, what's working, what's not working, and then think of your services in, in terms of solution. Again, this is a revisit for many of us, but gosh, so important. Well, connecting to serving, I'll let you in on a secret. I built Interact on working with nonprofits and giving partial and full scholarships to people. You know, we have a spectacular community here in Charlotte. It's a beautiful city and we have an unbelievable community of nonprofits that uh, for me gave me a network of people. They are some of my best friends today and it connected me with a sense of service and how you can help people with, with in your case, what you do. And so finding a program where you can work with folks in need and you can get in touch with uh, this aspect of serving I really feel it has propelled my business. I know that it has. Six, have the money conversation. When I was in broadcasting, they used to laugh. I could never get around to asking for the money. I just couldn't do it. And so uh, it's good to have, uh, you know, an awareness of that and also a sense of, you know, having a few things you can ask and to make it a calm question instead of an anxious one. And even early on, you know, is, would you like to get the money part out of the way? Or is now a good time to talk about the money? Is there a budget for this? Can you share a range? Is it, you know, between X and Y? And our services tend to be in the range of X and Y. How does that sound to you? I think there should never be a rehearsed or memorized part of being with folks in a conversation except this part you know because we're we're anxious about it and it's good to be able to say something in a calm way and say it early enough in the problem solving situation that it doesn't come up as a surprise which is what i i used to do patrick you know Expanding your brand and web presence today is only everything. And this, this might seem disjointed with the other material. It's not because uh, generating content so that you can blog about it, speak about it, write an ebook about it, bring value to people online, give away awesome for free, we used to say. Have, what have you done today? Have you given away awesome for free? always be bringing value. And this is such a, a huge terrain uh, today that it's important to surround yourself with awesome partners. I will tell you this, uh, we have kissed a lot of frogs to find Michael Samet of <clears throat> Four Eyes Productions. Uh, having someone, a really um, expert, good-natured, wonderful guide uh, to take you into the depth of what your online presence can be uh, rather than keep you intimidated about it or 
try and steer it an odd way is, is just only everything. And then, you know, finally I'll throw out, and I'm gonna try and leave uh, some time here for some Q and A um, or comments, just be, I'd love to hear best practices. Uh, and I see something from, from Deborah Bosley to everyone. I was asked to be a keynote speaker for a corporation. I had no idea how to price it. Can everybody see that? Just read it for a moment. Absolutely. To be able to talk about budgets calmly and upfront. Well, a couple of resources for you, and there are so many that, you know, perhaps you all have resources and you would like to put them in the chat. Uh, but building a story brand, <clears throat> I don't agree with everything Donald Miller says, but it is a fabulous resource for remembering to make the customer, the client, your hero. It's all about them and how you're gonna empower them uh, to manage their life better, to, to have a higher quality of life. And he, he is uh, a wonderful resource. Also, Seth Godin is a friend of mine and there's a daily marketing tip you can get from Seth that is, is just wonderful. I look at it every day because he makes so much sense. And so with that, I would love to hear from anyone who has anything to share around, and I can call on people, of course, a resource for, you know, just the inspiration of selling or a question you might have, anyone who feels like jumping in. Michael Salmon, I know you know about StoryBrand. There I go, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, StoryBrand is a great approach. Well, I'm gonna come from just explicitly the web perspective. Uh, what transformed my business with StoryBrand was actually this, this idea of never talking about yourself, always talking about the client, even on the about us. Um, always pushing it back on the client, but even more so is really taking what you're selling and making sure you broke it down into the discrete elements that it needs to be in and created adequate funnels to guide people. You don't want to have too much information on any one page or muddle what you're selling. You really want to keep it specific and tight. And for a lot, that means oh, I'm going to have too much to say. As long as you start with a good summary, they'll choose to read what they want after that. But Story Brand, I highly recommend just subscribing to it, reading their blog posts, it's invaluable. Yeah, I know that if I have too much about Interact on any page, Michael's gonna say, it's not about you. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the word needs to be you and you're talking to the customer. Yeah, Sage says that she's actively reading a Seth Godin book right now. There are so many wonderful books that Seth has written, starting with The Purple Cow. I mean, I don't know if you remember that book, but he has, you know, probably 20 books since then, and they're, they're awesome. Who else? Who has a thought, best practice, resource, comment? 
you know, Linda Kirby has done a great job in framing Boingo Printing as the, you know, the unusual printing company. I mean, branding is so much a part of selling and the storytelling that she does around Boingo is, is a fabulous one that, see, I can even recite it, Linda, but <laughs> go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, Lou. Uh, I think it's, uh, I find it more and more challenging, you know, during these times than uh, uh, previous, but yeah, we're just trying to, you know, to continue to, to tell our story and, um, you know, be present. And at the same time, uh, I think what I uh, hear today that I um, need to be reminded of is how valuable listening really is in that equation, right? So um, yeah, you know it and you hear it, and then I'm not sure that I always practice it. So I'm really glad to be here today to be reminded of that <laughs> because that is absolutely the key thing um, today in terms of being authentic and being able to um, make connections with people is to listen and to understand. I appreciate yeah. Yeah, and she, you know, one tool that she uses is that she sponsors so many events. I see your logo, Linda, on so many events where she provides the printing at no cost to the client and has, has really built an enormous visibility that way. It's just, it's, it's traditional to look, back, look down and see that Boingo logo when you go to an event, and it's... It's a fabulous thing. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Lou. The that that's one of the things that's probably been the um, the most rewarding this year in this crazy year that we've um, that we've had is trying to figure out how we can help our nonprofit friends because it's been different. They've needed different things from us this year than they've ever needed before. So, and it's not traditional ink on paper. So, ho uh, hopefully, we um, you know we'll continue to have that opportunity to help our friends in that way. Yeah. Thank you. You see Kara there makes a comment about that. It, it really is just a, a joy and a gift to work with the nonprofit community. They will make you a better person. They will show up with passion. They will expand what you know about the world and your city. It's a grand thing. Who else? Todd Murphy. How are, you? How are you? I'm wonderful. It's so good to see you. It's great to see you. you know, uh, thank you for sending this out. I, I love whenever I get a Lou email. I, I save the Lou file. Um, you touched on something that I am very, very hard on myself about doing, which is having that money conversation. Um, Lou, you know, but nobody else on the call knows that I've developed my own business and a third to 40% of it is working with nonprofits. Yes. Um, I'm an event designer. I do special event and special event floral. So you can imagine what has happened to me with COVID. I mean, literally I'm, I'm in that same ballpark with a restaurant or anybody else that I went from projecting my biggest year ever to zero in about six business days. But back to the money question, I'm always kind of tap dancing with my nonprofit clients around because they typically don't know how to budget for a full on project. They might have a big number in the back of their mind that they may or may not be comfortable sharing, but they don't know how to parse that dollar out and make 
the, the, the value proposition at every level. And I usually pay, think of myself last because yeah. I, want, I want them to have the great catering at the good deal. I want them to get the deal in the venue. I want them to have the good programming. And then it's like, oh yeah, um, I guess what's left is what I get. Yeah. No, 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 no. Listen, when I started my business, I would have paid somebody to let me work with them. You know, it's the mentality sometimes of an entrepreneur and a startup is that. So absolutely. Yeah. And you do fabulous work, Todd, by the way. You're a magician. A magician. Who else? Comment resource, something you've read that's really fabulous. You know, I'll tell a little something on Sean Kelly about uh, who's my creative friend from HMH Advertising. He's on the line uh, about hesitating to post accolades about yourself. And how does that feel? And how do you do that? Michael Samet, what would you say to that? How does one get over the feeling of bragging if you're about to post an award, being given the nod by someone? You know I'm the worst person to ask that question to. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do so terribly at it. Um, I've learned in time accepting humbly always works quite well. Yeah. And I personally like, I will say kindly thank you once. And in exchange, um, don't be too overly gracious. Yeah. Just be kind, humble and let it go. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But I'm not the person, Lou, you know that I'm awful at this. <laughs> well, and I think that it's okay to, uh, you have to give yourself grace and let, let people post things that are in celebration of who you are. You just have to let them do that. And you're the only one struggling with it, most likely, especially if you have a touch of what I have, that old imposter syndrome. And, you know, news items and those things that come up about your work are pure capital. Uh, pure capital. There you are, Sean. Sean has a new documentary out that is fabulous. What were you going to say, Sean? Well, I was going to say, and I, I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, I kind of go back to um, a quote my dad told me years ago. He said, the world will never know how great you are unless you tell them. And, and you know, the funny thing about that is it almost sounds like you're bragging, but if you know my dad, he's probably one of the most humble and giving people I've ever known in my life. And so, you know, kind of listening to everybody here and listening to your, uh, your, your talk here, I think that the spin on that is, um, you know, do, tell your story in your way. Uh, I like the aspect of be gracious, but not overly gracious. Yeah. Um, because if, if you're coming from a place like say in my documentary, it's not about me, it's about, well, I'm part of it, but it's, it's really about uh, Vietnam veterans. So what I, I'm trying to get over is the fact that I'm telling their story. You know, this is not about me. It's, it's about somebody else. So 
that's helpful to uh, take into consideration when you know uh, I'm talking about it or or talking about an accolade or things like that. Right, right. Yeah, it absolutely it absolutely is, and it's a story that you're telling. I also think your passion sells. You know, when you are passionate about a project, it just there's an energy that runs deep that people want to be next to. It's the it's the authentic brand. It's the uh, the real thing, and we're all hungry for the human connection today. And when you yeah. are engaged and passionate about what you do, it has a way of a, a, attracting us. Well, we are a couple of minutes past time. I have loved this. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I will send you the slides and a link to the recording of today. And I hope you'll be with us on November 5th when we look at conflict and negotiation. Have an awesome day. Thanks for coming.